What happens so often with us 80 years is we get into this mindset that, you know, this is really hard for me. And you know what? It might be difficult for you, but the more you sit there while you're doing it and think how hard it is, the more of a barrier you build to further progress on that thing, because you're starting to create stress. You're triggering your amygdala. You are creating an emotional state that is not going to open up your brain window, so to speak. It it will shut down your creativity. ADHD Rewired, episode 168. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, So let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. ADHD Rewired listeners, the 10th season of the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group doesn't start until August 21st, but this Thursday, May 18th, is the third and final Thursday of early registration, where you can secure your spot and get $400 off the cost of registration. Sign up early, secure your spot, and save. These groups will fill up. Don't get stuck on the wait list. Go to coachingrewired.com to schedule your registration and screening call today. That's coachingrewired.com. On May 2nd, 2017, the ADHD Rewired community on Facebook changed to a secret group. If you requested to join our group or you want to join our free community, come to our website, ADHDrewired.com, and fill out the application there. We are implementing some big process improvements so listeners don't get stuck in the request queue. This means we are no longer processing the requests that have been submitted on Facebook. To join our free and now secret community on Facebook, go to ADHDrewired.com or check the show notes for a direct link to the application. This will allow us to still screen everyone for the group without the 500-person backlog. The application will only take you a few minutes. It's just a couple of questions, most of them multiple choice. Thank you for listening and for working with us while we rewire this process. This is a secret worth telling. Today's guest returning to the podcast for the third and a half time is one of the best dressed motorcycle driving guitar playing once drug addicted and nearly went to prison, but turned his life around ADHD productivity coaches and now a number one best selling author of his brand new book and the host of the incredible Crusher TV, a subscription based Internet TV show and membership community that I am proud to say that I am a part of. We have here with us today none other than my friend and productivity compadre, Alan Brown. Great to be here, Eric. Great to uh, hear that fabulous voice of yours. Alan, welcome back to the show. So, you know, I said uh, three and a half, uh, it's the third and a half appearance. So you are on episode 25, 
episode 124. And if uh, memory serves me, which is always questionable, I think you were also on uh, a, a part of episode 100. That's correct. I chimed in. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I can't wait till number 200. I'm closer to that than I am to 100 now, which is kind of crazy to, to, to think, because I know when you said that, you're like, come on, Alan, don't, don't you know, put some pressure on me now. It's like, let's just, you know, I just hit it 100. Let's, let's just get to 101. And, now, and by the way, yeah, I'm at I'm at episode 70. I'm writing episode 72 now, and I have you slated for episode 100. Awesome. Let's uh, let's get that on the calendar to make sure that that happens. All right, so today we are going to uh, uh, talk about theming. You know, th- this thing, this theming thing actually kind of comes up quite a bit when you and I talk. Yeah. Um, it is uh, an increasingly talked about and popular uh, theme, if you will, in the productivity world. And um, the, the, just in a nutshell, theming is the idea of bringing uh, similar activities and ideas together under a theme. And it's really important for especially us ADDers who need the externalization of structure in our lives, because Lord knows there is no structure inwardly. So, so we, for instance, we rely more on to-do lists and calendars and stickies and notes because they externalize thoughts, et cetera, in a, in a very physical, tangible way. But you can also externalize things for productivity benefit um, through ideas. One example of that is, um, you know, like um, in building a habit uh, or in busting procrastination, there's something called the if-then condition. Well, if I do this, I will try to always do that. Mm-hmm. If I keep my gym bag by, you know, in my car, I will therefore da da da. So that's just that's like an idea that becomes tangible, but theming is also an idea that helps you externalize things. And the simplest, and they're kind of like four levels of theming, if you will. And the simplest idea is, it's kind of related to calendar blocking, but uh, it's called clumping. And that just means that you're putting similar activities together. Uh, like, you know, administrative stuff, you might clump them together and sit down and have a work session that's just about administrative stuff. Or you're going to do... Um, a work session where you just deal with your emails or to steal one of my favorite words from you, just sit down and work for an hour on your important stuff, the stuff that's important, but boring. Those are ideas of clumping tasks and they give you efficiencies because you are not hopping between different kinds of tasks and the things needed to get those tasks done they're all there and at your disposal for that entire work session. So that's the simplest application. Is there a difference between clumping and batching? I think they're pretty close. I think in batching, you could put together disparate things or, you know, maybe I'm confusing that with with kind of calendar blocking where you're just going to block off some time for X and you could have a miscellaneous work session blocked off your calendar where you're going to work on any of a number of things. But the idea here with theming and clumping is that things fall under a similar theme. Uh, It sounds very, very similar, clumping and batching. And I wonder if in your mind, do you think about this as clumping is sort of this idea of when this idea of something that you need to do comes up, you put it 
in that sort of space that block off on your calendar to do it, where batching is like the sort of the framework of it. So you make a batch of cookies because it takes just as much time to make a batch of cookies as to make one cookie, right? And who in, in God's green earth makes one cookie, right? Or even eats one cookie for that matter. Tangents within three minutes. All right, we're on track. <laughs> All right. Where this idea of clumping, you're talking about it's sort of like gathering your ingredients to make the, the cookies, you could look at it that way. But actually, you're kind of segueing into what I think of as the next level of theming, which is to theme your days of the week. And I'll give you a couple of the quick examples, and I'll give you one of the benefits that you actually just kind of touched upon. And so I have each day of the week themed. So Mondays are for editing. That's my primary theme for Mondays. And that's really because we put up a new episode of Crusher TV every Monday. So I've got to make sure that I've carved out time for editing, but I'll also edit other things like promotional videos and other things. Tuesday is for admin and affiliates. And so that's stuff like paying bills, legal work, or just kind of catching up on some miscellaneous stuff that's piled up, et cetera. Wednesdays are for guests. That's where I try to do all my recording of my episode interviews. That's also where I will sit down and work on getting new guests signed up for the show and arranging for the interviews, et cetera. So what's the benefit of that? Well, when I am sitting down to work on something really important and difficult, and it occurs to me, oh yeah, I got to pay that bill or, oh yeah, I got to reach out to that person about getting this so-and-so thing changed or whatever. The, the ADHD tendency will be, let me interrupt what I'm doing now to go do that thing I just thought of, because if I do that other thing right now, I'll forget about it. And then it will be avalanche snowball that will ruin my life, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but meanwhile, we have taken ourselves out of the important task we are doing mm -hmm. and likely won't come back to it. Or at the very least, we have sabotaged the efficiency of that work session. So right. you take that thing, that administrative thing you remember, just remembered you need to do. And instead of interrupting yourself, to go do it. You just put it in your calendar for Tuesday. If that's your admin day and say, you know what, I can do this on Tuesday. It's not urgent. And now it has a place to live. And then when Tuesday comes around, there will be a whole bunch of these things remembered you needed to do. And there they are. And now you can do some clumping or batching of those ideas. Of those so let's say on Tuesday, then so you, you add it to your calendar for you. Do you have a big sort of blocked out time on your calendar? And then you add that thing that you need to do sort of like in the notes of a big block of time. Or do you have separate sort of task times on your calendar? It's a little bit of both. So I'm a big proponent of the research that says that when you set out more than three priorities for a given day, you're really setting out no priorities. You need to limit yourself to three priorities, what I call the three biggies. And so on any given day, my theme for that day is one of my three biggies. So on any given day, this is Tuesday, two days ago. The first thing, admin and affiliates. Another was working on my funnels. And then another was writing episode 72. So those were my three biggies. Now, I will have 
not necessarily already put things in my calendar, but there they are. They're listed at the top of my day notes saying these are the three things. And then when I sit down to get to work first thing in the morning, I will then calendar time for admin. Okay, what time am I going to do admin today? Well, I have this appointment, that appointment. I've got a two hour slot here where I can do nothing but the important stuff, right? That is often admin. And that's how I work that. So basically, you are planning on serving a multi-course meal. You're having company over. All of it has to be ready at a certain day and certain time. But what you make first is kind of what you feel like. Did you follow that analogy or is it clearly I'm, I'm just feeling hungry because we already had an analogy about cookies. Now we're talking about it. <laughs> so are you talking about how I determine my big threes? The order. So you put all that stuff that you got to do, say, on whatever day your admin day is. Right. Then it started that day because basically what I do on days where I have various tasks to do, because I will add specific tasks to my calendar, typically on the day of. Right. So that's when I sort of sit down. All right. Here's the things that are on my list that I got to get done. Say at 10 o'clock, I'm going to do this. By 12 o'clock, I want to start this. And by three o'clock, I want to do this. And if after I finish that first thing, I could swap the second and third thing. Like, is that how you do it? Within the clump, so to speak, of the admin stuff, yeah, I will tend to go after the thing that might be most interesting to me first in terms of the admin things. But what I often do, and this may not be the most efficient thing, but it's a way to avoid kind of arguing with yourself about what to do first, is I'll just have a stack or a list of those things that need to get done in that little batching session or that clump of time, especially if it's administrative stuff, which administrative stuff tends to have kind of a lot of equal value unless there's a certain clear urgency to Mm -hmm. paying a bill or something like that. And I'll just go in order of where they appear or where they are in the pile of the list. Again, it often keeps me from having to sit there and waste energy deliberating between them. You know, obviously, if there were one of that list of things that really was more urgent and holy crap, if I don't do this today, I'm going to pay a penalty, whether literally or figuratively, then that thing will jump out at you, Mm -hmm. right? It'll be there to scream at you. And so, yeah, of course, you bang that out first. So let me ask you this. How often do you get to the end of your day and still have you have leftovers? Clearly, Ellen, I'm hungry. This is all I'm thinking about right now. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't pick up on that at first, but you are nailing it. I will tell you every single day, every single day, there are things that remain undone that need to be carried over, but I'll make a distinction. Probably 90% of the time, I will have at least moved forward all of my big three. Not every task that you have has just one piece or one component or it's just one action. So for instance, I'm looking at my Tuesday planner right now. This is two days, a couple days ago. And there are out of seven things that I needed to do, not just my big threes, but other miscellaneous things. Mm -hmm. There are still four on here that they're not urgent, but, and this is another benefit of theming, Now I can carry them over into the following Tuesday because if, again, if they're not urgent, you know where they go. Actually, I just realized I did two of them this morning. So I'm scratching them (laughs) off right now. So I really only have two, two left, but that's a benefit again of theming where these things are not just going to sit there on some miscellaneous dust collecting sticky. They now have a place to live because I will forward them to the next Tuesday, which is my next admin day. That is such a beautiful externalization 
of things for the ADHD brain, I encourage you to try and do this. You were mentioning this idea of the if then. So it sounds like the, one of the values of batching and theming, you can use this algorithm to say, if not now, when? Really well said. And again, when we have compartments to put things and we take the action to put them in the right compartment, we are being non-ADD, right? This feels so good. And it was like, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> it feels so good to be not ADD. Right. And just like to be able to actually execute complex sort of systems stuff. Right. And it's like, yeah, like that wasn't actually so hard. And I think if from an outsider sort of looking at, you know, whether it's me and you doing sort of these complex things or in our business, it's like, we failed our way here. So let's be really clear about that. Like we figured out thousands of things that didn't work and didn't work miserably for us to figure out like, okay, like theming works or having a predetermined place. If I don't get to this today, instead of having to go through the decision-making process like, all over again, it just goes to the next day on that theme. This whole idea of, of complexity, I'm so glad you touched on it. We did an episode a while back called how to plan your day like a badass. So I had like four brain hacks for planning your day like a badass, but I also had three planning. What did I call them? I called them planning mistakes or there was a, there was, it seems like you would have something more clever than that, Alan. <laughs> yeah. It was planning fail. It was like the top three planning fails and planning fail. Number one is called overly elaborate planning scheme, which is you buy this big honking planner with all these different tabs and folders and pockets and all this stuff. And you have to follow these instructions. You would we know our listeners and you and I know right off the bat that that's like, no way. I might be able to work it for three days, but after that, it's going to fall apart and it's going to collect dust. So a thing that I love about theming is that it helps keep things simple. You don't have to be Stephen Covey to be able to put this thing into action for yourself and have it be a repeating ritualized thing because it is very intuitive. And if you just kind of follow along with it, like you said, when I have found that I have not completed two of my administrative tasks on my administrative day, Tuesday, there's a place for them. That means it'll take me two seconds. I scratch them off of here and I put them on next Tuesday. That is a level of simplicity that any add -er can do. So we're right now talking about sort of a tactical level of theming. And I do this on the tactical level to various degrees. One thing that I remember sort of struggling with when I sort of first started trying this was probably five or six years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, was so I would say every Friday is my sort of administrative day, my important task day, mm -hmm. right? But then my plan and my ADHD brain sometimes didn't always like talk to each other because it happened to be that that particular Friday I was having, a, you know, a really like I'm staring at the wall all day and I just got to figure out how do I stand up from this chair. And so when the cog of the what your plan, how your brain is operating doesn't align then what happens to those things, especially if there's something that might be a bit urgent, right? Or it's just like, because we all know those days where it's like we can look at a certain piece of paper and it's just like you don't even know what you're looking at or what to do. And then there's other days where you just bang it out like it was nothing, right? I think that sleep is a huge variable on that particular sort of a day. But like, so for me, the challenge in theming in that realm, especially for important stuff, if it's only once a week, is that what happens if once a week, if you, if ADHD is winning, 
Great question. And this was actually planning fail number two that I had talked about in this episode, which is, and I forget exactly how I described it, but there's a certain perfectionism that we think should be achieved when it comes to some kind of planning regimen that if I didn't do all my administrative things today, or if you know what, let's say Thursdays are a marketing day for me. Let's say that, you know what, I just didn't feel like doing any of my doggone marketing today. It's okay. It doesn't mean that your theming or your planning mechanism is a failure. It just means that you had a day where, you know what, I'm just not that into it. I do have a little bit of a backup on that where every day at 5.30 p.m., I have a reminder pop up in my calendar that says, do what you don't want to do. And it's just a little kick in the pants that says, hey, dude, it's not actually going to kill you. Nobody's going to punch you in the face. You're not going to fall down and crack your head open if you actually walk back over to your desk before you sit down and watch a little bit of the news. Go back over to your desk and just pick one or two things that you really don't want to do and just start on them. And often that will be that marketing thing on the Thursday that I didn't want to do. Or it might be a couple of administrative things that were like, oh man, I really don't want to have to go online and have to research this and have to switch over to da 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 or whatever that is. I've actually got a thing with Amazon right now. One of the things that I didn't do was I had to switch my bank account for the auto deposit from the sales that I have on Amazon. And it's kind of a booger and I have to go dig. And so right, they're now charging you like 15 bucks. Say if you ask them to like send you a check or whatever, if it's not auto pay and Amazon's changing the rules, by the way, I don't know if you've looked at that. Yeah. I hope one of the rules that changed was not changing. We pay Alan Brown to we don't pay Alan Brown because I haven't been paid by them in a few months. I have to, well, they, it's another thing I have to do. I have to go and investigate why it is they have not credited my bank account with quite a few hundreds of dollars. But anyway, back to what you're saying, you know, we got to make sure that we don't beat ourselves up for not sticking with, with a plan. Nobody, not Richard Branson, not Oprah Winfrey, not Brendan Burchard or Tony Robbins started with some kind of planning mechanism and nailed it every single day from the time they started it. Would you be able to say how many times you think whether in the last week, month, or even year, that you could say that you've gotten everything done on your to-do list like on a given day? Probably three times in the last year. I think that maybe you got me beat by like one. I can remember for sure one, maybe two. But you know what? The key thing is whether you have moved forward on your three biggies, whether it's one of them, two of them, or all three of them, we always oversubscribe. We always put too many things on our, it's a natural thing to do. And I'll issue a, a quote that I love quoting. It's from Jonathan Butcher, who's like a serial entrepreneur and he's like a lifestyle guru. His home was featured on Oprah Winfrey's show. He's just an amazing dude. He's a friend of mine. And he says, the extraordinary life is a result of small and easy things. It's just Doing those little things over and over and over again, not beating up on yourself. If you don't finish all seven of your eight of your tasks, or if you don't get to all of your three biggies, it's okay. Pick up tomorrow, get on them and go do it again. 
and I'm proud to stand with you, Eric, as someone who has only got everything on my daily to-do list done three times out of the last year and you maybe four times or whatever. I just think it's so important for listeners to be able to really hear that. And Alan and I are not like blowing smoke at you. Like there's so much shame involved in not getting stuff done when we're when we're tying our productivity to our self-worth, right? And I think it's so important to be able to say, to look at, you know, look historically, you rarely, if ever, get everything done in your day. So when you're looking at your day, you're sitting there saying, but I have to get everything done. Like, have that honest conversation with yourself, knowing that I'm not going to get everything done, even if my brain and my emotional self is saying, I need to get all this done. Like, not all of it's going to get done. So what are the things that you want to choose to get done? Right. And so really prioritize those items or even look at the items. What are going to be the things that they don't get done? That's going to be okay. But part of that is that perfectionism and sort of letting go of only doing certain amounts because it's look, none of us get everything done. And I can't emphasize that. And being okay with that allows us to get more done. Yeah. And not to go off on this because I do want, I want to come back. I want to actually talk about kind of the next level of theming, but this goes a lot into a favorite topic of yours, which is shame. You can easily let shame beat you up about not having done this, that, or that on any given day. But you know, it's also about resilience. It's about how we bounce back from that and whether we forgive ourselves for, you know what? You didn't do that. You have ADHD, not an excuse, an explanation, but let's just get back on there. We can sit here and let the negative vibes and the negative neurophysiology of that beat us up and keep us sitting on the couch with that pint of Ben and Jerry's. Or we can say, you know what? let me get up and let me just try and fix a little bit of this. That's again, why I have that thing at the end of the day that reminds me every day at five 30, it pops up on my calendar. It says, do what you don't want to do. Alan, I got to tell you for the last 15 seconds. Now, all I've been thinking about is Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> it is. We are theming food, aren't we? I am like the ultimate, like fat kid in, in this episode. Like, and I use that as a term of endearment, at least like in my world, in my family. It's like, it has nothing to do with your weight. It's about like, just like your mindset around like, you know, food and, um, okay, moving on. Yeah. So let me talk a little bit about the next level. Cause you actually, a little while ago, you were talking about how, what we had been talking about is a very tactical way of applying theming. And it can be a little bit more strategic, if you will. When you theme, for instance, your months Hmm. and an example of this that worked really well for me, January of this year was all about getting my book published, that thing published. And as every ADD or knows, or frankly, every writer knows, or every aspiring writer knows, getting that book written, one of those things that's still sitting back in the back of your mind and often never gets done. Pleased to say that I was able to do that. But part of what helped me do that was having deciding that January was going to be themed, finish that damn book. Every day when I got up and I've got written on the top of my planning page for that day, a reminder that this month is about the book that really helped me because it just so much of it is just about what's at the front of your mind mm-hmm. versus what's collecting dust on a sticky somewhere. So, and because that was my theme for that month, every single day, one of my three biggies was move the book forward. Now it might've had some more specific tasks in there for the most part, it was do something to move that book forward. 
February was about marketing the book. Let's make sure we've got the Facebook page set up. Let's make sure that we are setting up my author page on Amazon, et cetera. Again, that's not the only thing I was doing in February, but it was one overriding thing that I was doing. March was about redoing our Crusher TV website, which we recently finished because the month came to an end. We did do it in that Really? I thought it was pretty good as it was. Can't wait to take a look at it. We just redid it a little bit to emphasize a little bit more personal branding and just to clean up the messaging a little bit. So, but again, you know, how many of us out there, especially ADHD coaches, even personal organizers and other people who help others who have a website are often thinking, yeah, I really need to get my website straightened out or I need to do this. What if you were to just make the month of April or the month of May, that's, I'm going to theme that as fix my website or whatever that other thing is. So that's another great example. So Alan, you know, my theme for February was my website. We're recording this April. Fifth. I am happy to announce, though, we're close. We're, it's close to being done. And that's sort of the idea, whether it's getting everything done in the day or your theme for the month. Are you moving the needle forward? That's what's so important. And you know what? I think it goes back to what we were talking about with don't let the shame beat you up. Don't get down about it. But also looking at the bright side you probably would have gotten significantly less done on that website update had you not made it one of your missions for Mm -hmm. February. So take all the good stuff. And I'll share kind of the next level of strategic use of theming, and that is to theme your year. And I'm seeing a lot more of this in productivity blogs and on productivity podcasts. And it seems to us, ADDers, oh, come on, man. I mean, it's such an abstract thing, theming my year. Man, I'm just trying to get through Thursday. You know, <laughs> come on. Well, and I think for really sort of understand this concept of theming your year, it actually helps you get through Thursday. It's like if one of your themes for the year, let's say, is self-care and you're having a lousy Thursday, like, all right, so what does that mean in practice if my theme for the year is self-care and I'm having a lousy day? That means, you know what? I had really bad sleep last night. I'm going to retire early today and just sort of be okay with waving the white flag because I'm going to have more energy tomorrow. Like if that's a guiding theme, I mean, that's one of the things that I do that really helps, especially when you're feeling stuck. I think I learned about theming one's year from Mike Vardy, the Productivityist podcast. Alan, I thought you told me you learned it from me. No, wait, let me finish. (laughs) I think I learned about the theming of one's year from him, but it was in a conversation I had with you. And I think it was when I was interviewing you for the second time on my show that you told me about how you had themed your year. And I was like, you know what? I got to do that. And because of you, I themed my year for the first time in 2017. And I'll tell you what my themes are. They are leverage, courage, and easy. Now, you don't have to use three themes. You could use four. You could use two. You could use one. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you just briefly how this works. So leverage, what it means is when I sit down to work on a task or I have a choice between two things that are calling for my attention and time, I will ask, which one has more leverage? Because as productive as I am, as much stuff as I've been able to accomplish in my life and on a given day, I'm pretty good. That's why I call myself Mess to Success Entrepreneur. I've seen the far sides of the curse of ADHD and all the good stuff of the gift. But I'm going to work on this thing here, which in the back of my mind, I know isn't really going to amount to a lot, but because I will enjoy doing it more, 
I will do that. So I am now trying to put this word into my thoughts, which is leverage. This thing have like, and I find myself now so often just starting in on a task and then just like ripping up the sheet of paper going that frigging thing has no leverage. And I'm going to stop doing that right now. And then I go, what can I do that has leverage? So corny or abstract as it may seem to theme your year, there's a real practical tactical use of a strategic brain hack by theming your year. This idea of leverage sounds a lot like or similar to the Rory Vaden's in his book, uh, Procrastinate on Purpose. Yes. Where he talks about creating significance, where he takes, you know, that Eisenhower matrix of importance versus urgency and creates a, a third dimension in the realm of what's important. Because it doesn't tell you, like, not just if it's important, but like how long will it matter, right? And so responding to that email is important great, you should do that thing. But if you think about it in this realm of significance, well, what if I spend four times longer responding to that email, but I'm responding to it in a way that's actually creating a system that will allow me to respond to other emails like it because I'm going to be doing that again. Beautifully said. I'm so glad you brought up Rory Vaden. He's got a, a neat TEDx talk, which you can probably search very easily. But this also brings us back to when you're deciding on your big threes for the day. Which one has more significance for the long term? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that helped me stay focused on the book in January. It's what helped me stay focused on getting the website done because the website is something that's going to live for years. And yeah, today I could go and get my truck oil changed, which is important. But you know what? I can do that on Saturday. Today, I have committed to working on the website and I owe my web guy these bits of feedback, et cetera. And that's going to matter way longer into the future. So great analogy to Rory Vaden's TED Talk and book. So Alan, first of all, thank you for reminding me that I need to get my oil changed. Secondly, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to continue this conversation and I want to talk a bit about your book. We will be right back. This Thursday, May 18th, is your last chance to save $400 in ADHD Rewired's next season of coaching and accountability groups. Registration interviews are by appointment only. Schedule yours at coachingrewired.com because this time is your time. So one of my big wins was I've always wanted to set up my self-hosted website and I've told myself a couple of hundred negative messages about how I can't do it, even though I can do it. And I did it. I'm really excited. I've been writing for 10 days in a row. So that's been a huge win. And it's only because of these groups inspiring me to do my best. Increasing my time awareness without being stressed about time is such a big win for me. I joined the group because I was diagnosed about 20 years ago. I've been diagnosed about a year old. And over that time, I've learned a lot. I've tried medication. I started medication and had some talk therapy, but my therapist was not that familiar with ADD. Tried individual therapy and I found this uh, the group was more effective. In this group, I learned that I, I can be very open and vulnerable with strangers. At the beginning, you were strangers. Here, I discovered, oh, so with my people, I can do it. It's liberating. It's like a rock taken from my back. I'm grateful for the way that um, everyone has shared and how comfortable it has made me in sharing. I discovered gratitude and the value of mindfulness. Um, I started meditating. Oh, 
I discovered meditation. That was huge. Um, I discovered the value in tracking tasks, value of study hall. And I know how to organize and clean my home thanks to the study hall. And I know you say this in all your podcasts, Eric, but the value of just getting started. What I learned in the course of this group is that change comes much more fluidly with less resistance and more acceptance of self. And Eric, I stumbled on your podcast. It was invaluable and then started hearing about this. In terms of helping lead me to on a path towards some solutions, give me some tools as well as a community of people who were dealing with similar or related issues. My main goal is to be a better mom, wife, employee. And at the time I didn't realize, but just to be a better me. I joined the group because I decided it was time to bring my ADHD out of the closet. It's nice to have a place where people can get together and um, chat about these things. To be able to share these struggles, not feeling like you're alone in dealing with them is sort of like the core value of the group. Join us for ADHD Rewired's 10th season of coaching and accountability groups. Beginning August 21st, 2017, going through October 27th. Register now to secure your spot and save $400. This Thursday, May 18th is your last chance to register during early registration and it's by appointment only. Go to coachingrewired.com to schedule your registration interview today before all registration times fill up. Go to coachingrewired.com. Hey there, ADHD Rewired listeners. In the last week, we doubled the number of listeners who became patrons over at patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. That's right, we doubled our number of patrons. So I want to thank all four of our patrons who are now showing their support for ADHD Rewired through their monthly contributions. I just uploaded some new premium content for you, so go check it out. You know, our first goal is to raise $1,400 to replenish our coaching group scholarship fund. We currently have $28 of recurring monthly pledges. You know, big goals are reached one small step at a time. So thank you for contributing. Thank you for your support. Become a patron over at patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E, like Rewired, O-N, dot com slash ADHD Rewired. And thanks. We are back with Alan Brown, and what a well-timed break that was. It was perfect. Alan's internet cut out like the moment we went to break. So the, the internet gods are looking down on us and saying, I'm hearing your show and it is good. The internet gods theme today is forgiveness. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Is that an easy thing to do? Forgive? Well, it becomes easier when you forgive yourself. So let's talk about ease and easiness and things just being. Well, you know, we were talking about how my themes for the year are leverage, courage, and easy. Those are the three words that help guide me through the year. Uh, just a quick note on courage. I'm a non-confrontational person. And I love the quote from Oprah Winfrey, where she talked about how she procrastinates 
most often when there is some kind of confrontation with someone, meaning she needs, she has to say no to someone. Mm -hmm. I know we ADDers can really relate to that because we want to please everybody. We're used to kind of being the junior team member or the one who's on the outs that really needs to kind of gain other people's favor, et cetera. So we don't want to say no. So one of my themes for the year is, is just push forward with the thing that you think is going to create conflict and let the chips fall where they may. And that's been really helpful. But one that's been really, really helpful on a day-to-day basis is my theme of easy. And if you think about how often we as ADDers sit down to do a tough task, often particularly a something that we do on a regular basis, like something maybe at work that's always difficult. You know, I, every week I have to do this so-and-so thing, or man, I hate when I have to summarize a piece of research, or it's really tough to do these particular spreadsheets or whatever that thing is. For me, it's writing an episode of Crutch TV every week, just about, I'm basically writing a term paper. I have, for instance, right now I'm writing an episode on decision-making. This is something that's getting talked about more and more in productivity circles and in corporate circles. I can't wait and, to tune into that episode because I absolutely, it's, it's an area I've gotten better at, but I'm still working on. And you know what? There are certain practices that I've had with regard to decision-making, which I can draw on, but you know, I have to go to make a really powerful episode on this and to make sure I have something to say that's just as, if not more interesting to what my guest expert is going to say. And she's in, this guest expert is an expert in leadership decision-making. She mm. consults, but I need to go out and research all the best practices and the research and the science behind that stuff. And so it's like writing a term paper every week. And I'm someone that took 10 years to get a forward degree. A four-year degree. This is hard for me. Did you see? Uh, what, I forgot who it was, but I put in the, the ADSU Rewired Facebook community, and I saw you commented on it. What's something that you've done that you're like feel good about or that you're, you're proud of? At the, one of the first comments that someone wrote: "I crammed four-year degree in ten years." I loved that. You know, it's great too. Another guy chimed in below that says, "Hey, you're faster than me. It took me eleven years." And then I chimed in under that and says, "Hey, between the three of us, we have thirty one years. <laughs> so, you know, think about some of the things that you do as an 80 year that are just tough. You have to do them all, all you know, on a regular basis. Or whatever. I want to ask listeners to think about what that thing is for you. Cause I think you'll find out what, what Alan's going to share with us right now to be more valuable when you can really contextualize it. Agreed. Absolutely. And, you know, again, for me, it's sitting down to research. I bring all this research into a document and then I try to sift through it on the piece of paper and digitally and move things around so that they make sense and then they tell a story. And I've got to squeeze it down to about 12 minutes for my part of the episode. Mm -hmm. And that's just hard work. But what happens so often with us 80 years is we get into this mindset that, you know, this is really hard for me. And you know what? It might be difficult for you, but the more you sit there while you're doing it and think how hard it is, the more of a barrier you build to further progress on that thing because you're starting to create stress. You're triggering your amygdala. You are creating an emotional state that is not going to open up your brain window, so to speak. It it will shut down your creativity. And so what I'm learning to do this year in the year of easy is to remind myself, you know what, dude, you do this every week. Every you have not missed, you know, an episode deadline. You've put up 70 some episodes and, you know, everyone is going up on time. It's awesome. And 
it's something that you do. Yes, it's not the easiest thing for you. There are people that you know, Alan, that could do this in a quarter of the amount of time, but you've chosen to do this. You actually love the end product and you're doing this for a reason. You're helping people get more productive. You're learning a lot of stuff yourself in the doing. And you know what? Take a step back and remember, you do this all the time. Grab a handful of nuts and a dried fig. Okay, take a couple sips of your coffee or get a fresh cup of coffee or whatever that is. Sit back down and think this is easier than I'm making it out to be. And in fact, if I can step away from come back to it, I might be able to go, okay, what's an easier way for this story to make sense? What if I move this here? Or what if I stop trying to sweat cleaning up this area here? And I just, you know, and I know this is apropos only to what's happening in my mind with how I'm trying to, you know, write a script for a mm-hmm. TV show. But as Eric says, if you can think of something that you do that is always difficult for your ADHD brain, and yet it's something that you do on a regular basis, whether it's monthly or weekly or even daily, just remember you're doing it and find those things that might be easier than you're making it out to be and take advantage of them. There's two things. So one, I was uh, talking with Nisha Subramanian, who's, I think, you know, she's uh, done my coaching groups with me and helps me with a lot of the community stuff. And, you know, and she likes to write or she's working on writing. And she's often helping me with writing because it's an area that, that I struggle with. And we were sort of talking about this in, the, in something that she has said is that most writers will say that they don't like writing. They like that they wrote. Like they enjoy the end product. They don't like the process. And so it's sort of embracing the struggle in a lot of ways is one important uh, part. Another thing that she brought up, and I wish I can quote who, who did the study on this, but it was looking at perceived difficulty of a task and pain, right? And the perceived difficulty of a task and physical pain appear in our brain in the same space. Okay. So if you look in brain imaging, it'll look in the same space. And the study showed the moment that you begin that perceived difficult task, the pain shown by brain imaging cuts in half immediately. Wow. I love that. And, you know, I did a live episode and you were there for it just the other night about what I call the procrastination prescription. Mm -hmm. And I cited research that says that when you begin a long postponed task, particularly for reasons that you difficult, it's, it's unpleasant. If you just spend 10 seconds on it, you actually increase significantly the chance that you will move forward with it in a significant way. And I'll bet it has a lot to do with what you just described. And I'm going to research that some more because that sounds fascinating. And the thing I'll add to it is back to this thing of easy specifically, Hemingway is oft quoted saying, write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> and I wanted to share that because I think every ADD who struggles with write, getting an email written just right, or writing a summary of research, or even writing an email to a friend that might have some sensitive points in it or whatever, just write as if you're drunk without any care at all about what it looks, sounds like about it. Just get the thoughts out. And that's easy then you can come back and do the editing because it will be easier to edit after pooping out all that stuff than it is editing while you are trying to write. So well, it's the freedom of like, write the shitty first draft. 
Yes. Right. And like, and call it that, you know, it's like put the title at the top of the page, shitty first draft, and then just start writing. Right. I mean, I had a client who had a, a keyboard that he would use just for writing that he broke his delete key. Like on purpose, like, so we could not delete was, And I relate to this so much. And when he told me that, I'm like, that's brilliant. I probably should do something like that myself. Because it is, it's like, and I've gotten way better at this, but I used to, to like, I wouldn't move on in the writing process unless I, like each sentence was just the way I wanted it to sound. Pain, like agony that is, Alan. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, but there was a semester that I was in college that I had to take a medical leave. I had to get incompletes, and so I had to finish all my stuff that second semester. It took me a full semester of working on this paper for about eight hours a day for an entire semester. The paper was three pages long. <laughs> So when I say that I have some writing trauma, like it's not an exaggeration. I'll bet it was perfect. <laughs> it, was a, it was a damn good paper. It, it was something I had to do. It was on the topic of like America suffers from a white superiority complex and like institutional racism. Like it was a heady like social work, sociology, a policy paper. Three pages. A semester. And I really am working through that now. And so and the reason I bring that up is is. We have to sort of know where the history of the belief that something is hard sort of comes from, because as I've been doing more and more writing is that I've been finding more frequently, not as frequently as I would like it to be, but more frequently that the writing is kind of just happening. And I write something, I'm like, actually not so bad. And that actually wasn't that painful. And I get a lot of feedback from people saying, like, what you actually wrote was really good. And I'm allowing myself to internalize that because I need to internalize that because of my sort of mental psyche issues around writing. And it's sort of it's, it's looking at how much whatever the issue was that was the barrier for me is perfectionism. I've come a long way in battling that one. And it's I think it's like addiction. It's something you always got to be monitoring and always got to be sort of staying aware because it will grab its claws if you're not paying attention to it. Speaking of irony, as we were touching on before, cure to the addiction of perfectionism is actually drunkenness, <laughs> so to speak. Just write drunk and edit sober. Unless you have a history of alcoholism, then um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's something else. Didn't mean that literally. All right, so we have the tactical level of theming. We have the strategic level of kind of going, sort of zooming out kind of your, your months. We have the overarching sort of themes for the year. What else about theming haven't we hit? Well, I just, as an umbrella concept, I just want to kind of reiterate the power of externalization for us ADDers and the power of simple planning and prioritizing principles that don't require a lot of, you know, apps, tabs, instructions, just things that feel, that's the great thing about theming is that it's really very organic. If you really can decide come down to a couple of words, or maybe even one word that you really want your year to be about, or one thing that your year to be about that can help guide you. And then just put it in tactical fashion, put it in places where you will see it every day. And you'll start to see this thing show up and you'll start to see what we attend to grows, right? 
I mean, yes. thoughts become things. And when you are having the thought of, I really want to spend more time working on things that have longer term leverage. I really want to have a little bit more courage when I'm confronting things. And I really want to remind myself that things are a little bit easier than I think. And it's great to thank you again for that little piece of research that you shared with me. This is a very organic, not complicated way to prioritize, plan, and carry out your year. So I encourage folks, please try some theming, even if it's just theming one or two of your days. Ideally, you theme every one of your days and make sure that one of those days involves some fun, right? So important. I think we were talking a couple months ago because, you know, my themes for last year, I need to update my dry erase decals that I have because they're still up there. But a couple of them are the same. So last year was self-care, play, mindfulness, and gratitude. I've updated play to be music because when I sort of reflected on the past year, the thing that I had the most fun with was going to see fish at Wrigley Field. And I'm also a musician. And so I've, I've made a lot more time and have been making a lot more time for music. So I got more specific on that. Self-care still is a theme. Some of my priorities are kind of shifting right now. And so I'm actually reevaluating my yearly goals are my uh, because I'm going to be moving soon. And so that sort of that changes some things, too. So thinking about something around the realm of flexibility and change and uh, sort of leaning into that. But when you mentioned easy, you know, I think it's important that we have an inner dialogue that guides sort of that metacognition that so we're evaluating our thought process. And one of the, the questions that I've been asking myself for so long is the question, is this what I want to be doing right now? Right. When you mentioned the easy as a theme, one of the questions that I have begun in the last, I think, year or so to ask myself, probably almost as often as this what I want to be doing right now is, am I overcomplicating this? Am I overthinking this? Because if someone has the ability to overthink it and overcomplicate it, I can do it. <laughs> and so it's, yeah. It's exactly, you just nailed exactly this process that I catch myself in where I am overcomplicating something by focusing in on the wrong thing, or I'm trying to clean up a certain, you know, bit of text that really is not important to the overall theme, et cetera. And it's just asking yourself, am I making this tougher than it needs to be? Because it tends to be easier than I think it is. Yeah. Sometimes I look at certain tasks that seem really daunting and I try to, I first I'll meditate for a few minutes and then I'll try to, I can't always do it, but I'm able to sometimes to really sort of bring in this feeling of, oh my God, I have to get this done in the next five minutes or something bad. Like it's sort of like, it's a gameplay in my head. Right. And cause it's amazing when you're like under the gun to get something done, what you can get done. And so if you're able to somehow leverage that a little bit and sometimes using an actual deadline, even though it's not related to that. So for example, if let's say I'm trying to do something with cleaning up a list of some kind, which is just like administrative, I want to go to sleep and like put needles in my eyes. Right. I'll start that and say, all right, what if I can do this in 10 minutes? Let me do this 10 minutes before I have a client coming. Right. So it's not even related, but it's using a something that's actually environmentally as a you got to stop. Like you can't keep going even if you want to. Otherwise, you're going to have clients in my waiting room. Well, if you ask my clients, they might tell you that I'm usually a minute or two at least. I can <laughs> grab them. So before we finish this up, let's talk about your book. Yeah, I so January was my my month to get that book finished and published, and we did that. We pre-published it on uh, January 25th or so, and then it was released 
and went to number one bestseller. I'm really pleased to report that we were beating uh, Stephen Covey for a little while uh, when we launched. So we were, we were beating David Allen's Getting Things Done. You take screenshots of that? Huh? Did you take screenshots of that? You bet I did. <laughs> I got the screenshots, baby. No, it's great. And so I'm really pleased. I thank everybody who has gone and gotten the book, which gotten just great reviews and people who have read it have sent me emails saying this is just great. So, you know, so what it is, it's, it's, it's called. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you, because what might be helpful is if you actually tell people what the book is called. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I forget to do stuff like that. So it's called Zen and the Art of Productivity, 27 Easy Ways to Have More Time, Earn More Money, and Be Happier. And the reason why I love the idea of Zen and the Art of Productivity is because for me, productivity is not about a lot of heavy lifting and grunting and oomphing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, I'm a really hard worker. I'm one of the hardest workers I know. I even know if I'm as hard a worker as you, Tivers, you're always at it. But <laughs> it's really not about, you know, pushing and shoving and sweating. It is so much more about just some switches you can flip in your brain. Little, you know, things like theming that just free up an amazing amount of energy, confidence, action. And um, so we have 27 chapters, each is going to based on one of the episodes that we've done, because these are all important topics like procrastination, prioritization, time management, time vampires, energy management, uh, protecting your personal boundaries so that you can get more stuff done, which is a big one for us ADDers. A self-compassion, self-talk, two things that I know Eric could write an encyclopedia on. So, and it's all broken up into these very brief chapters. Most of them have an action step of some kind. So you say, okay, I just enjoyed that chapter. How can I actually make it so that what I just enjoyed reading, I can actually have it being part of my life tomorrow because, you know, it's great that we're listening to uh, this wonderful podcast, but hopefully you are taking something that you learned in listening to Eric and me and you put it in your calendar so that it becomes something that a month from now you're doing and you're going, you know what? Ever since I learned to listen to uh, Eric's podcast episode, so-and-so with Alan Brown, I've been doing this thing and it has helped me. Otherwise, we might as well be watching cartoons and you know, patting ourselves on the back for doing that. So that's what the book is about. It's about getting a lot of stuff done just by flipping switches in your mind and making sure that you put them into practice. Awesome. At work, people get the book. Amazon. All right. Is it paper or is it digital? It's uh, Kindle now. The paper book, uh, paperback, will be coming out uh, pretty soon. Awesome. Do you know quite when? Because maybe so maybe air around that time. Uh, I would go ahead and air. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It's not It's not a top, top priority. I would rather put the, the book into uh, as many hands as possible at this lower price. Uh, Kindle, more folks are, are, are reading on Kindle than obviously than ever before. But we're going to use the paperback for more promotional stuff. And I encourage folks to, to go ahead and get the Kindle version of it. All right. Alan, there's one thing that I actually have up my sleeve that you're not aware of. Uh, I have a question for you. So last time you were in the hot seat and we went through this exercise regarding outsourcing and I had you create this list. Um, Is this ringing a bell to you at all? Or are you going to claim your internet connection is going bad right now? Yes. No, no, my connection is still fine. (laughs) I can't hear you. You must be a bad connection. (laughs) Hello? Hello? (laughs) 
Um, no, no, that was great. And in fact, I do recall, uh, I don't recall what the specific actions were, but you, you challenged me. We were talking and uh, it was like a little mini coaching thing. And we got down to where I was going to outsource some things. Right. It was making a list of what is it that you don't want to do? What I'm is it not that good at doing? Not good at doing. What is it? And then the one that I think really was kind of made you think was what are the things that you like doing that you shouldn't be doing? Yeah. And I forget what fell into that category, but there were a couple of others that fell under the first two categories. And I hired an additional VA to do those things. Forgive me. I can't remember exactly what they are because now that second VA is doing all kinds of stuff. So I can report that challenge has been met and it has benefited me because I now have more time to work on my themes of leverage, courage, and easy. Awesome. Awesome. You know, Alan, when I started my year, I identified the top thing that will create the most significance that would make everything else this year easier. And look, and you've had me on your show and you did it. You succeeded. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry. And I'm going to out myself and say, I haven't done it yet. And it's to hire a VA. And I've sort of started this task. I've put out some feelers you know, out there, but I haven't done it yet. We're recording this, this show, April 6th. Um, this might not come out until May. And I hope uh, that, that by the time this comes out, I'm going to be able to, to say that I now do have a VA. You're, the fact that you really moved the needle forward on that, it put a little pressure on me in a good way. I'm going to make that happen, Alan. You know what, Eric, maybe April is the month of the VA identification, but I just have to say, you know, this is one of the reasons why people love you. And one of the reasons I love you is because you come out as this guy that helps thousands of people. And when you don't, and you own up every time you own up on your perfectionism, you own up on when you didn't complete something. So I just think it's one of the things that is so cool about you. So hats off to you. And thanks for coming back on the podcast. And we'll have you on again. You're going to be a repeat offender. You know, you'll be in the the top list. I don't know. I needed some come up with some creative, you know, category for the people that are, you know, the, re- the repeat uh, people. So, Alan, any final thoughts you want to leave listeners with? I just want to leave you with that reminder that you're going to be on episode 100 of Crusher TV, and we're going to make it a doozy. Awesome! I cannot wait. There's going to be a swimsuit contest and. A, <laughs> I promise you I will be I'll be fully clothed. Alan, where can people find out about Crusher TV and other stuff you're doing? Go to CrusherTV.com. Watch a few previews of previous episodes. I learn a little bit more about what we're doing on the show. We're doing great, cool stuff and stuff that you can use right now. We don't do woo-woo. We don't do rah-rah. We just teach evidence-based stuff that helps you get more stuff done with less time and less drama. And follow us on at Real Crusher TV. And thank you, Eric, for having me on. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alan. This has been Eric Tivers, and I want to thank you for listening and congratulations. You made it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find additional summaries and resources for each episode, learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. 
You want to see interviews with content not heard on the podcast? Subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. Don't just be a passive listener. Be an active member of the community. Submit your request to join our free and growing community on Facebook. Watch your message inbox. You will get a message either from myself or Nisha Subramanian. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends, family, and clients. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, tell them about this show. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. And if you really love this particular episode, please hit share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the word and get this message out there. One of the biggest things that you really can do to support this podcast and help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? You could start with Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfections or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability. If you've already listened to those, then you might want to move on to Daring Greatly or her most recent book, Rising Strong. This is Eric Tivers, and I want to leave you with a question. Do you stay up late to finish work so you only sleep for five hours and then the next day you have trouble focusing so you stay up late to finish work? If so, you might be in the ADHD productivity sleep cycle. Try this instead. Go to sleep. Get an accountability partner to check in with about your sleep time. Get more sleep. Get more done. Thanks for listening. Until next time.